Hello, and welcome to the Wedding Dish Podcast. Grab your fork and knife and take a seat at our table as we dish on all things weddings. You'll hear stories and tips from real couples and wedding pros about love, life, and entrepreneurship. I am Sarah Alipin, the host of The Wedding Dish and CEO of Photos from the Hardy and District Bliss. Thank you so much for tuning into The Wedding Dish. Let's dish. And today, we do have our Frenchie friend, Cluso the Inspector, who is hanging out in his podcasting chair eating a little uh, bonus treat for being such a good little monkey man. Um <laughs> And today's guest has actually met him in person, one of the two people joining me today. Um, I am so excited to be bringing back my friend, Taylor De La Fuente, and her now husband, David. Thank you two so much for joining me on The Wedding Dish today. Absolutely. Thanks for having us back. And yeah, I brought my hubby this time. Isn't that fun? I know. We were just talking before we started recording, and it never occurred to me that I hadn't met David. Yeah, because I talk about him all the time. Sorry, honey. It's okay. (laughs) And we've been on The Wedding Dish, so I know all about your proposal, everything that we talked about in season one. Um, I even have met your dog virtually. (laughs) Yep, yep. Um, Amazing. I love it. So, um, Let's go ahead and dive in. Um, It's been a bit of, it was a bit of a wild ride for you two planning your wedding. Yes. So we're recording this right now in March, 2021. We got married in November, 2020. So we're a few months post-wedding. Some of the, you know, stress of it has gone away. We can can look back on it with uh with fresh eyes, if you will. But but yeah, our we were engaged for a year and a half between proposal and actually getting married. And things changed quite a lot during that time because all of COVID happened. And so we unknowingly became a coronavirus wedding and a coronavirus couple. Which was a stark departure from the first time you were on the wedding dish, which was in person in DC. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were planning on having 50 people at your wedding? Yeah, yeah. We were going to do around 50 people. And we had a lot of opinions on how we wanted to have a small wedding. And that was so unusual because most people do like 100 plus, And we didn't want to do that. We wanted something more intimate and whatever. And you know, little did we know that we were going to be pushed even farther into the intimate wedding category. So our, our, we ended up having nine guests with the two of us, bride and groom ending up being 11. That's so crazy. Um, and you got married in Charleston. Yeah. Charleston, South Carolina. We lived, uh, for a long time and we got engaged in Washington, DC, which of course is where I met you, Sarah. And then, uh, we moved, right before COVID coincidentally to Dallas, Texas, which is where David is from and grew up. And we got married in Charleston, South Carolina, which is where my family lives. And I lived there for a while. So it was a destination wedding, which only added to all of the COVID craziness because we weren't sure if we were going to be able to travel and all the things associated with that. And were was 11 the restriction 
for um, South Carolina or was it just that that was how the numbers shook out and made the most sense for you to for the guests? I think South Carolina had lifted a lot of the restrictions on size at that point. We just felt that that would be the safest way to go, um, especially because if people don't remember uh, the late fall and obviously the winter were like the worst of the COVID-19 outbreak in the United States. Um, I forget the exact numbers when, when we ended up getting married, but, you know, we're talking a hundred thousand plus cases, new cases a day. Uh, and we felt it would be irresponsible to ex- extend invitations to friends and more extended family. So we chose to only do nine, which was basically parents, uh, and then Taylor's brother, uh, her her grandparents, and then her great aunt, who just happens to live uh, also in the Charleston area. The, the, out of out of our nine guests, four of them were from Charleston, um, and then five from had to travel. Uh, but a lot of that was via car, even because like my dad and stepmother live in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so we just we we felt that nine was was the most we could go. It was it was the people that like we felt that we had to have there. Yeah, we basically, we invited a few more than nine, but nine is just kind of how it, it shook out. So it was basically immediate family. So parents, grandparents, siblings, and then some parents, some siblings couldn't come. And, you know, I was able to add in my my aunt and my godmother because she does live in the area and she made our wedding cake. And so it was like, well, if you're already going to drive here to bring us the wedding cake, then you may as well enjoy the, the party and be part of it, especially since we couldn't have everybody who most people would consider to be immediate family. So yeah. like Taylor's sister wasn't able to attend because she was basically nine months pregnant during the wedding. She had oh her, she had her baby four days after we got married. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was no way that she was going to come to that. Even if it wasn't COVID that yeah. just, there was no way that was going to happen. Um, and then my dad and my stepmom did not come. So it ended up just being, um, it, it would have been, I think, like 13 plus us, so 15, but it ended up being nine. Got it. Um, well, congratulations on being an aunt and uncle. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's new for us. David's an only child, um, and I'm the oldest of my three siblings. So, you know, we're... It's a new thing for us, but yeah. <laughs> and have you met your uh, no. new call? Oh. No. They live in like upstate New York. Yeah. Oh, that's a hike for you now. Yeah. Yeah. And like the part of upstate New York that has like a regional airport with one destination. So it's like, like even, even during non-COVID times, it would be a little bit difficult, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, hopefully soon. Um, so walk me through a little bit of what your wedding day actually looked like. Um, I know you stayed in an Airbnb and you got ready together, correct? Yeah. So we booked an Airbnb, which honestly was so smart from both a financial perspective, but also just space planning. Cause we were able to get a one bedroom apartment and 
that was two stories. So the bedroom was upstairs and could be separate from all the people in the house, but there was a downstairs with a kitchen and a living room. And so like, it wasn't a big deal to have a hair person, a makeup person, um, people come over and just like sit there and hang out. And so, um, before COVID had hit, we decided to invite the moms to get ready with me. So that way I wouldn't, cause we did not have a bridal party, even when it wasn't going to be a nine person wedding, we were not ever going to have a bridal party. And so I didn't want to get ready by myself, just the two of us. And of course your parents help you a lot during the entire process. So it was sort of like our mother of the bride, mother of the groom gift to invite them to, to get ready with me. So all of the moms came over and got ready hair and makeup in our little apartment. Meanwhile, David and his dad went out for lunch. What did yeah. you guys do? Yeah, we went out for lunch at a, at a local Charleston place. Uh, I think it's, it was Leon's uh, oyster show. Oh something. yeah. So they had like a really nice lunch at a, a, a big name local restaurant. Did you yeah. do anything else or is that it? Uh, that was basically it, I think. Okay, cool. So they went out for lunch. The girls got ready. Basically, by the time that he got back from lunch, the ladies were pretty much done. And so they all left because they still had to go get dressed. And then he and I went upstairs and got dressed. Um, and then our photographer came over and we pretty much walked the one block from our Airbnb to our venue. And that's where all of our really cool bridal portraits happen. We're just sort of on that one block walk over um, because we have a very, we live in urban lifestyle and we got married in an urban venue and stayed obviously downtown in an urban setting. And so we we were pretty happy just sort of walking one block over and wherever we saw a cool storefront or a cool wall or something, that's where we would just take pictures. And so those are some of my favorite, honestly, are like us crossing the street and, um, my, our, our big money shot, which I think the two of us would agree. There's a few portraits that are like the most amazing. If I had to delete all of the photos from the wedding and just keep one, this would be the one that I would pick happened to be on that one block walk over and it was an empty storefront and it had this like vestibule. And because the store was closed, there's no, you know, signs in the window or people coming in and out. And so it was just all black and white. And then the two of us standing there in the middle and it just, it ended up being really cool, but we did not plan any of that. It just kind of happened. And I know exactly which photo you're talking about because it is so remarkable and so stunning. Um, I thought it was in the venue and I actually thought it was why you chose the venue. Mm, that was like maybe four doors down from the venue, something yeah. like that. It used to be a, a restaurant and I guess because of COVID, the restaurant closed, but they had this really cool... I'm sure you'll post the picture on Instagram, Sarah, because it's a really I good will. one, but it's got like a black and white checker tile entrance, almost like uh, marble or something. And then the, the ceiling was painted in like a black and white, almost like a tattoo style or like a graffiti style art. And so it's all black and white and gray surrounding. And then there's the two of us and it just, it couldn't have worked out better, but we a hundred percent did not plan it at all. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. And it works so well with both of your wedding looks. Um, so how did you choose? I know some of it was seasonal, but and I know we talked about your wedding dress and where you got it because you found it at a secondhand mm -hmm. bridal store, which I love for sustainability and pricing purposes. Um, and 
also, uh, so we talked about that on the first podcast episode you were on, which was in season one. Um, but David's look was also really unique. So, um, and they worked really well together. So can we go through a little bit about your yeah. outfit, cho- your yeah, look what choices? Did, what did you wear, honey? <laughs> uh, I wore like a really nice suit that Taylor picked out. I basically, there were, there were some parts of the wedding that I was heavily involved in and had opinions on, but what I wore was not one of them. So we basically went to a really nice place and I told Taylor that she was in charge. Yeah, we went to the Black Tux. Um, which is almost like Rent the Runway, but for men. And so they happen to have a showroom here in Dallas, but they typically don't. It's truly like an online only thing, but they happen to have one here in Dallas. So we went there and tried things on and got professionally measured. But then it's not like we went there to pick up his suit or anything. It got mailed to us the way that Rent the Runway does. So we were able to actually see the fabrics, look at them, um, touch them, try them on, all that stuff. And so we ended up doing like a classic tuxedo pant with the little sort of stripe um, of like silk down the side. So really classic tuxedo pant, tuxedo shirt. Um, he did beautiful patent leather loafers with no socks. And I thought that looked really beautiful. And then the big showstopper, of course, was the suit jacket, the tux jacket, which was red velvet. Um, and then I did like a champagne colored bow tie with it. So it was, it was just really beautiful. And I think if we had gotten married in June, there's no way that that would have worked, but because we got married in November, um, and David, uh, has more of like an olive skin tone and brown eyes. And it just, it worked, it looked really, really good on him. It looked awesome for the time of year. Um, and so it just, it just worked like super well and we were really happy with it. And the mail process could not have been any easier. They mailed it to us. We try it on. They actually like, sew the pants and the sleeves to be your specific length. So that way it actually fits you. Um, which is kind of a unique thing, but, but yeah, that was a good experience. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I love that. I can't believe they tailor it to fit you and it's a rental. Yeah. Yeah. I I was really surprised by that too, but I think basically they, they do a special type of stitch where you can't see it from the outside, but of course it's there holding it up and then they just don't cut the fabric. So whenever you mail it back to them, they just they, they cut the thread, it goes back to the full length, and then they wait for the next person to say, here's my measurements, and they do it all over again. That's incredible. How fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Also really cool from a sustainability and pricing point of view. <laughs> yeah, and it always includes the insurance too. So like if you happen to you know stain something or whatever, like it's not like you're going to be on the hook for now a $1,000 suit. Like we paid $200 for a week-long rental, and that was perfect. That's awesome. I love that. And one of the really cool things that you did with, um, of course, your dress looked beautiful with the velvet because you had, um, I want to say it was satin, but I'm not the best at Yeah, I think it was satin. And then it had all of this like beading and appliques on it that kind of looked like tree branches almost and little flowers, but not all over it, just kind of on the the bodice a little bit. And it was a nice, it ended up looking really nice together. Yeah. And they had some champagne detailing in the beading. Mm -hmm. Um, And Taylor rocks a bright lip 
all the time. It's like one of my favorite things that you do um, in terms of like, look, you're so good at like rocking a really great lip color. And of course, her wedding day was no different. Yeah. Um, Absolutely stunning. Um, And it was very – you both went very classic, but – elevated. Yeah. That's kind of where the design piece of it started was like, I think the two of us from the beginning really had this perspective of, I want it to be like our best day, but I don't want it to be like so far removed from what we would do on a day that we chose to celebrate us. So like we live in an urban environment. We wanted to get married in an urban environment. We really like good food. So it was important to us to have like amazing food. Um, but you know, like some of these other things that didn't really matter to us, we, we kind of did away with, but, um, but yeah. So in terms of the look, I was like, well, if I was going to go to a cool party that wasn't my wedding and I was able to get a hair and makeup and get a dress and all this stuff, like I would go for an old Hollywood glam look. Cause that's just kind of my style. And you already heard him say, I don't care. Like you dress me up like I'm a Barbie doll. So that's what I did. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I did. But like my personal style goes more in that old Hollywood look. So that's collectively it, it all worked. And then in terms of the design in the space with like flowers and whatever, our florist, um, really leaned on that and did more of like a kind of an earthy glam type of a vibe with like lots of greenery, um, and, some unusual flowers that we did in our arrangements, but also like a lot of mixed metals, a lot of glass, some mercury glass, like cool things like that to kind of bring in the vintagey look. Yeah, some produce too, which we really like. Yeah, that was our unusual flower component, which again is also more budget friendly and sustainable. Was um, because we're we're really big into food, and I think food is really beautiful. Like we did pomegranates and rosemary and artichokes and cabbage roses and all of those things in our flower arrangements. And I just thought they looked like really cool and different. And most people, you wouldn't, you wouldn't find that on a wedding day. I love that. Those are some of my favorites, especially because the aromatics work with the food. Mm -hmm. So they elevate the whole experience. So if you're thinking like you're sitting at the you know, table getting ready to eat, and you have a centerpiece that essentially has the aromatics that, you know, awaken the flavors of the food. I think it's so brilliant. And of course, cost and sustainability, again, another um, huge, huge benefit. Um, I love that. I think you two did such a great job adapting and dealing with the stress. I mean, it must have been a little, at least a little bit stressful. Um, I mean, I know it was, but we're, you know, for, for the listeners out there, um, how was adapting to how, how much of a toll did adapting to the changes for COVID as they kept unrolling, like waves hitting the side of the boat as you went? Yeah. I mean, obviously like part of it was an unshared burden, I think, because, I, I think back to we we also chose a honeymoon spot that uh, was they they were they were uh, not going to full capacity and that's part of why we chose it. It was a boutique honeymoon spot. They had enough space for I think three hundred ish rooms and were only booking like seventy five. So we were pretty spaced out. 
but we talked to another couple while we were there uh, that we saw them and, you know, they also were on their honeymoon, got married on the same day. And I think their wedding was like 200 yeah. plus. They were from no, no shade, but they were from St. Louis and they were like, yeah, we just, we're on our honeymoon too. And we were like, cool. What, how, tell me about your wedding. Kind of like what you just asked. And they yeah. were like, oh, it was fine. It was 200 people and it was beautiful and whatever. And we were just like, oh, okay. Ours was nine. Right. Yeah. Nine. Yeah. <laughs> So, so as we were doing it, like we had to like keep reminding ourselves that the better thing to do is to not invite people. I actually reached out to some friends of ours that we went to their wedding in uh, 2019. So it was like our second to last wedding attendance before uh, COVID hit. And I, you know, we sort of asked them, would you rather get something in the mail from us saying, you're invited to this wedding. And then, you know, it, it'd be this kind of back of mind thing where we all know that they're too smart to attend our wedding. Or would you rather get something in the mail from us saying like, you were our A-list, but you can't, uninvited. you're uninvited, you know, because of COVID, um, you know, and, and they fully endorsed option B as did, you know, some other people we initially reached out to kind of like the closest uh, friends and people that we trusted. Um before we sent out to everyone like that. Uh, so that part was, uh, you know, obviously disappointing, but I think we handled it the best way possible and people were very understanding, I think, and, uh, you know, still tried to, you know, celebrate with us in, in whatever way that they felt possible. But we purposely chose not to do the thing that some people were doing where it was like a Zoom like wedding as part of it, mm-hmm. just because, at the same time, like we didn't want to subject our friends to sitting on their computer for an hour as an obligation. We we felt that, you know, we'll eventually see you again or, you know, we'll keep chatting the way we were chatting. But, you know, we, we, we want our wedding day to be fun for everyone. And if you can't attend, the most enjoyable way for our guests is just, you know, for them to send us a text and then we'll catch up later. Yeah. And selfishly too. I mean, I definitely care about the guest experience and I don't think it's fun to feel obligated to like sit and watch somebody get married for forever. But I also, for us, like that's not how I wanted to spend my day. I wanted to spend my day not, not having my phone on me. I left it in our Airbnb. Like I didn't want to know what's going on and having people text me or call me and do they have a connection and can they hear and are we facing the camera? Like all of that, I just didn't want to deal with it because it was going to take me out of my day and our experience. And the whole point was to like be there with the people who were the the closest and the most able to be there at the time. And yeah, so we actually, and by we, I mean me, um, I hand wrote every single invitation that went out, I did actually send the invitations, but I hand wrote a note with every single one that said basically what David just said. Like, we really love you. You were on our A-list. Like we wanted you there, but we decided for safety reasons that this, the best thing to do is to politely ask you not to come please. And, um, 
The only person who I heard like negative feedback about that from um, indirectly through my mom was my grandpa, who basically was just like, this is not a real wedding. A real wedding is like family and people and hustle and bustle. But of course, he was also there. So it's a little bit different. Like he's not one of the people who got you're uninvited or please come to our digital thing or whatever. Like he was just sort of expressing his sadness for us through that. So, yeah. yeah. And I, I think that was a smart move for you to not do the live stream thing, knowing you Taylor. Um, and I think you and I are actually very similar in this way that I would have been so concerned about the digital guest experience that I would have been thinking about that as I was doing all of the other things. And I don't, I don't think I would have had the mental capacity for, or space for that either. So that was a smart choice for you. Um, I'm glad that you did what was best for the two of you um, and safest for all of your guests too. Yeah. yeah. And like we, like even pre COVID, we knew that we wanted a really good photographer, which we got uh, and, and really liked her and would recommend her to, to others, you know, in the Charleston area or getting married there. But even pre-COVID, we knew we did not want a videographer. We didn't want to have to deal with, you know, video. And, you know, we knew we weren't going to really use that after the fact. Um, so I think that went into, you know, making the no Zoom part really easy. You know, like, obviously, COVID helped us come really under budget with our wedding. And, you know, so it wasn't even like a, a money thing necessarily. We just, we didn't want video footage. We just wanted really nice photos. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a videographer yeah. and if you're going to use it, then great. But I just, we're not, I don't think we're, we would, would use it. What would we do with it? Watch uh -huh. it once a year on our wedding anniversary. I mean, maybe, no. I don't know. I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we have already gotten prints of our photography. We have, um, I, I make a book for us every year to sort of like recap the year prior and have that in our house. And so we've got like printed in a book, hanging on the wall, framed next to the bed, like all of those types of things. So mm -hmm. we actually do use the, the photography a lot and look at it a lot, or at least yeah. I look at it a lot. So. I will say the one thing COVID did help with I, I will give it, you know, the benefit of the doubt is we were having a big debate over whether we wanted a DJ or a band. And part of that was because we were getting married in such a small space. We didn't know if we could like really fit a band in there mm -hmm. um, and all that. But then because we obviously went down to like a very small wedding, we were like, there's really no point of having a band. So we'll, we'll do a DJ, which turned out great. Uh, the DJ we got was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and we really liked, you know, that what that provided for the wedding. Yeah. Uh, and we were yeah. able to add on some other extras because it was less people. So therefore less money. So we had more room in the budget. So like originally I wasn't going to do any kind of calligraphy, but I ended up getting calligraphy um, signs because we, for the ceremony, we kind of separated the chairs by family. And so I put a sign on every single one saying reserved for the Della Fuente family, for David's dad and stepmom, for, you know, for the Reese family, for my parents, you know, whatever. So we were able to do that. And then every single person got a hand, um, a hand done place card. And so though I thought those were some nice touches yeah. that we probably wouldn't have been able to afford. Otherwise we also upped our, um, the quality of our, our beverage package. So we did like top shelf liquor, uh, and all of that. We yeah. add, we didn't really add any food just because of the number of people there, but yeah. 
you know, it felt like it was more high quality stuff that we did because we didn't have as many people. Yeah. I love that. Well, I'm glad that there were some silver linings and that you were able to adapt and everything as that progressed. Um, And I think on that note, we are going to take a fast break on the wedding dish, but we are going to come back with some awesome stories about your photography and the experiences of your wedding day. So we will be right back. And we are back on The Wedding Dish. I am Sarah Alipin, the host of The Wedding Dish. And today we have with us Taylor and David De La Fuente, who got married in November 2020. Um, still seems so weird to say because I haven't seen you since you got married in real life. Um, but how many months ago was that? And that was four months ago. Yeah. I saw you count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. So, um, let's jump back in and dish about the crazy situation that happened at your wedding. Yeah. So, um, David wants me to tell the story, which is fine, but the both of us were there. So feel free to chime in, but it was, um, our day went off without a hitch. Like all week it was forecasted to rain and it didn't rain. Like there were all of these opportunities, you know, a vendor could not show up. Somebody could break something, forget something, whatever. None of those problems happened. And we were like, oh my God, we're so lucky. And then, um, we are, We did something called a reverse cocktail hour, which means when you arrive at the wedding, you have cocktail hour first, and then we got married, and then we went and had dinner and had the rest of the reception versus most weddings. You get married first, then have cocktail hour, and then dinner. Um, So we did the opposite. And um, so it was during cocktail hour, we stepped out. Most people were inside having drinks and past hors d'oeuvres. We stepped outside onto the big patio, which was the ceremony space to check it out. And also our photographer came out there with us. We had, we realized we hadn't actually taken any photos in the venue yet. And I wanted at least one with us, like with the bouquet in front of the altar and all of the flowers and the candles and everything. Cause now the sun's going down really beautiful, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we're out there. It's the wedding coordinator, the, our photographer and the two of us out there on the patio. And, um, taking photos, you know, wedding dress, tux, the whole thing. And all of a sudden this very, very drunk, probably 18 year old wanders up into the middle and walks like right through the middle of what we were doing, stumbling as he goes, uh, bleeding from the arm, carrying a brown paper bag and sits down at the front row of the ceremony chairs, like right in, like feet away from us, right in front of us and starts opening this brown paper bag that he's carrying, which I'm assuming has like a burger and fries in it because we're, Charleston is a college town and it's a Saturday night and there are some bars around. And so I I think the venue is actually on top of or right next to one of those bars. And so somehow this guy like made his way up the back service stairway from wherever he was into our venue and is like sitting down in the middle of us out there. And all four of us, the photographer, the planner, and the two of us are like completely stunned, just staring at him like, uh, what is happening right now? And then he, I guess, could like figure that out and looks up and goes, oh, sorry, gets up and moves back a row or two and then 
sits back down and proceeds to continue like opening his bag and start eating something. And again, all of us are just like, uh, what is happening here? And so I finally <laughs> snap out of it and start, you know, motioning towards the wedding coordinator, like, okay, this is your job. Like you need to, I'm not going to walk over in the white dress to the man who's bleeding and probably going to vomit very soon and like tell him to get out of here. We haven't even gotten married yet. So I'm not going to do that. So she's like, oh yeah, yeah, of course I can tell that's what she's thinking. And she starts to walk over to the guy and tell him to get up. And he's like, he, you know, gets up on his own again, really stumbling. He mutters something to her, like, I don't know, piss off or whatever, and is like falling over himself, but eventually does make it back to the stairwell and go back downstairs. And then of course, our coordinator goes to get the representative from the venue who rushes outside, extremely upset, very apologetic, goes downstairs to the bar and I'm sure yells at the bouncer and says, um, hello, like you can't let people up here. But um, the best part of this whole story is that because we were out there taking photos, our photographer managed to get a shot of this guy in front of us, like uh, on wedding day. And that is probably my favorite photo from our entire gallery. Do you have anything to add? No, that's it. Okay. <laughs> I have, I still, I've heard this story because Taylor and I had a catch up cocktail hour or coffee. I can't remember. Um, but I still have so many questions. So did they have to like mop up the blood from the aisle? Cause he walked down the aisle. Yeah, I don't, I mean, he was definitely like his entire like forearm was definitely covered in blood. Like it was dripping down, but I don't think he was like profusely bleeding to the point where it's like dripping everywhere or anything. So that was not a problem. My biggest concern is that this guy's going to puke all over our aisle and we're about to walk down it in like 20 minutes. And how is that going to work? Which again, <laughs> thankfully that did not happen. Um, but, but yeah, like, I don't, I don't know to this day. I'm just like, I can't, I cannot believe that that actually happened. Yep. <laughs> Especially given that it was during a pandemic, like you, you might expect that like somebody drunk stumbles into a venue during a normal time frame, but you had nine people, nine guests because of the pandemic. And then you yeah. had and, and, one. <laughs> I mean, going, going to South Carolina was a bit of a shock. I think like we obviously love it. And I think we would vacation in Charleston every year if we could, but you know, like Taylor mentioned earlier, we live in Dallas, Texas, uh, which our County was taking the outbreak very seriously. We had, mask mandates in the county, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, obviously most places in Texas didn't. But, you know, we left Dallas, went to Charleston, and it felt like a completely different world. Like we we exit the plane and maybe a third of the people we see throughout the week aren't wearing masks, masks at all. And obviously like the party downstairs from our wedding, like Taylor said, was like 
Uh, I think it was like a Santa bar crawl. It was or a bar crawl. Yeah. So it's College oh of Charleston God. is in the middle of downtown Charleston, yeah. South Carolina. And so it was a bar crawl where all the college students were there and they were in their like ugly Christmas sweaters in November, waiting in line to get into this bar that apparently our venue was on top of, which not like we knew that because of course when you tour a venue, it's like 10 a.m. on a Tuesday and it just looks really beautiful and quiet and you're like, oh, how lovely. And then you get there on wedding night and you learn that, oh, I'm on top of one of the most popular college bars in this college town and they've got music and whatever. And of course the venue coordinator comes over and says, we're very aware of the situation downstairs. We've already been in touch with them. They're going to be turning the music off. They're going to be having people come out of the patio and go back inside. So that way your ceremony is taken care of. And of course, during the reception, we don't care because we've got our own music going. So that doesn't that doesn't matter at all. Yeah. But at least for the ceremony, they're, they seem to have a pretty good connection with the, the bar and whatever. But yeah, this was like this weird fluke of a situation where somehow this guy like snuck out or snuck up the stairwell and the bouncer didn't know. I don't know. It was really, really weird. Yeah. But that a story is- we will tell our grandchildren one day. <laughs> I, the picture, which I will share on Instagram, is hysterical because you can't see anything of Taylor's face except one eye and like a corner of her mouth. And you can just tell she is like open mouth staring at this kid that is walking between that, uh, the like between Taylor and David and the photographer. And he's kind of like blurred because he's moving. So it's clearly unexpected. He not only he photobombed and kind of pre-ceremony crashed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If he had been 20 minutes later, he could have walked up those stairs and just barfed all over your aisle during your ceremony. Yeah. He, he could have, um, but it didn't happen. But yeah, that was like my biggest piece of criticism for the venue when, of course, all the vendors contact you after and they say, can you give us some feedback? Tell us how we did. And I'm like, this is my only problem with this whole experience was like, y'all have got to be more on top of that because that could have with just slightly different timing or a different person who was either a little more drunk or a little more angry or whatever, it could have been really, really bad. But um, thankfully that did not happen on our day. And we just have this funny story to tell. So yeah, I do think the venue was like one of our best choices though. Yeah. So I was telling this to Sarah before and David, obviously you and I have talked about this a lot, but like one of the the downsides of our COVID wedding is that you and I are both like super type A planners. We actually like that. We think it's fun. And in any other year, that would have been like the most amazing thing. And we would have saved so much money and so much time and so much stress because we sent out everything early. We made decisions early. We had spreadsheets. We tracked everything. We planned this wedding ourselves. Um, And it just happened to be the one in a million shot where that was a bad thing for the year that we were getting married. And so we made a lot of decisions early, signed contracts, paid deposits, made commitments, and then things changed in a big way and we were kind of stuck with them. And so I think if we had planned if if we had planned from the beginning a nine person, ten person, eleven person wedding, we would have made a lot different choices and certainly wouldn't have spent as much money. Did, was it beautiful? Was the venue amazing? Was their food delicious? Absolutely, all of those things. But that being said, I do still have some regrets about like uh, if only we had planned this 
a little bit later and not been so on top of it, we maybe could have been able to get out of it. Because basically the rule with the venue was if we're legally allowed to be open, we will be open. And therefore you're going to be held to your contract, which is you use it or you lose it. Non-transferable, can't change the date, like nothing. And um, yeah, so loved the venue from day one to the day we got married. I remember the day that we went there to tour it. Um, I We left and I started crying um, because I was like, this is it. Like, this is the one. And um, so I don't regret that piece of it. I just, I wish it was a different time. That's yeah. all. I think you say that, but I think even if we hadn't signed pre-COVID, I think there's a good chance that if we had still gotten married in Charleston, which I think was likely, I think we still would have done the venue because you loved it so much. And because again, like we, we did come in so under budget on the wedding because we didn't have to pay for catering and out, you know, alcohol and gifts for all the guests um, and all that kind of stuff. Like we saved so much money on that, which is obviously one of the biggest expenses that the venue really I mean, the venue was like less than 10% of our total wedding uh, cost by the end of it. Right. But so, okay. So how much did we actually spend? 15000 Uh, a, a little bit more, I think. Well, yeah, a little bit more. It's but, been a while since I looked at it, but we did officially tally everything up and look at it and go, okay, our original budget was 20000 for a 50-person party. And we were making some really strategic choices to be able to hit that budget because that's a little bit of a tight squeeze. And then um, at the end of the day, I think we spent 20000 total if you include the honeymoon. Um, so we definitely were under budget on the wedding for sure. Um, and we did spend maybe more than we normally would on an over the top honeymoon, um, which I don't regret at all. Everybody should do that first, pay for and plan your honeymoon first and then work on the wedding stuff and make the budget work for your wedding. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's a lot of sunk costs that come with these one-time things like the venue fee just to rent the space and not do anything in it was $1,800. And for, I don't think that's unreasonable for like a party for 50, but for a party for nine, we could have rented the back room of a James Beard award-winning restaurant and had like a five course dinner and whatever, and spent the same amount of money, but been in a smaller space and had like a better more intimate experience that way. You know, those are some of the things that I so, go through. My so you're saying you would have let me make us get married at Rodney Scott barbecue? No, that's, <laughs> that doesn't count. That's too casual. Okay. <laughs> it's too casual. Okay, you're thinking fig. Yes. Okay. I'm thinking, and this means nothing if you've never been in Charleston, but like a fig or even like a prohibition with a really pretty back room yeah. or um, like the grocery or any of those places that have like a really amazing, yeah. even Oak Steakhouse has like yeah. the third floor. Like we could have gotten married and had dinner at like the third floor. And that's Bill Murray's favorite hangout in the city. Like we could have done so many cool things yeah. with the same amount of money or less, but because we made some of those decisions early and then you add on things like, the bar, the food, like when it comes to staffing a wedding, you, there's restrictions on like, if you're going to have 50, like for every 50 people, you need to have two bartenders or something like that. And then if you go to 51 to hundred, then you need two bartenders. Well, if we have 10, we still had to pay for the two bartenders. Cause that's like legally what we had to do versus if we were in a restaurant or yeah. a private estate or 
heck, even a big fancy mansion Airbnb that like all of us rented and stayed in together. Like we could have done something like that. All good points. But I am really happy that you had such a great day and that you two are married uh, and that you actually, you know, got to have the the day you wanted in a different way than you expected. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was good. I guess I like being married to you. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, sure yeah. just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> well, your first date was on my birthday, so Oh. I didn't realize yeah. that. How cool. Yeah, December 29th, right? Mm-hmm. Look mm-hmm. at my memory and it's not like I've listened to that podcast recording recently. <laughs> been a few it's been a, it's been a minute since we did but but yeah i i agree i think i should go and listen to that podcast again way back in season 1 and listen to myself talk about it and then just go oh if she only knew if she only knew. i i know i i was thinking the same thing you should listen to that one and you should listen to the one where you interviewed Steph and me oh, yeah. um because I feel like those two episodes, it would just be so different to look at it from this point. Um, I'm really excited for you to do that. And you'll have to let me know how that goes. Yeah, yeah, I will. Um, Well, thank you so much for joining me today on The Wedding Dish. Um, David and Taylor, I just love the two of you. David, I'm glad I finally got to meet you. Um, and Taylor, as most of you probably know, if this isn't your first rodeo, because she's guest co-hosted with me a few times, is also the wedding copywriter behind Lemon Tree Editorial. So do you want to quickly plug your social media and your website? Yeah. Well, so most importantly, if you want to see some pictures of us, I know I gave a bunch to Sarah and she's going to put them on the Wedding Dish Instagram. Um, but I also have them on my blog, on my website, and all over my Instagram, which is LT Editorial. LT as in lemon tree. Um, and the website is the same thing. It's LTEditorial.com. And so I've got all of our the vendors who we used and a good number of our photos on my blog, on my website. But I use them all the time on my Instagram too. So you can check them out there and uh, tell me what you think of David's red velvet tux jacket. <laughs> and Taylor's amazing lip. Um, (laughs) and make sure you follow, give Taylor a follow, check her out. She's amazing. I love her, um, newsletter. So hop on there. She gives tons of tips and tricks and things. Um, and she's just delightful. So, um, and if you want to follow us on Instagram, we are at the wedding dish podcast. Um, and our website is the wedding dish podcast.com. Um, you can read our show notes, you can get the transcripts from our episodes, because of course, we are committed to accessibility, um, apply to be a guest. Uh, you can get all kinds of awesome things there. So swing on by and then um, don't forget to tune in next week because I will be chatting with another amazing uh, wedding professional and I'm really excited for you all to join us. So make sure that you follow, rate and review the podcast. uh, And until we meet again, cheers. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.